time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. We'd like to have your feedback on that new intro. I'd like to, we have a, a guy that I'm working with that does a great job, Paul King, and uh, I like it. So he did several versions. That's the one I selected. And uh, so anyway, love your feedback on it. Good to have you with us, everybody. It's Monday, June 19th. 2017, and you're listening to the Lincoln Lending Program, as you heard at the intro. We're broadcasting live from Denver, Colorado, in Motivity Solutions Corporate Headquarters. As soon as we're done with the podcast here, I'm heading up into the mountains to Beaver Creek, and we're going to be part of the user conference, that the Motivity's user conference at Beaver Creek, Colorado. So we're escaping the heat of Texas Andy Shell, the prophet doctor, was out riding his bike at 100 degrees, almost 100 degrees, 98 degrees yesterday at 4 p.m. Andy, I think you'd love to be up here in the mountains or doing that same activity. But then it's the altitude. But anyway, we're up here looking forward to seeing so many of our friends and, of course, all of our friends here at Motivity Solutions. Just want to tell you that our commitment with this podcast is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. We have a lot of people tuning in all over the country on a live basis, on a streaming basis. Really appreciate you tuning in. I know Beth Ossinger is listening in. I want to say hello to Beth and many others across the country. Hot topic today is David Luna. He's president of Mortgage Educators in Compliance. He is an NMLS-approved educator. Provides a lot of commentary and training to the loan originators and processors working the operational side of the business. David Looney is a speaker at a lot of conferences. He and I ran into each other recently at the Great Rivers Conference. He and his wife sat and were visiting, and I'm just so impressed with how his energy when he's up there front and the amount of information he provides. Really a great perspective, and so he's a bit of a rock star when you go to these conferences. He is the, the a lot of these state conferences retain him to be the moderator, and he literally moderates the entire conference. So he does a great job, so we're going to hear from David Luna a little bit later in the Hot Topic segment. Also want to say thank you to our sponsors, ArchMI, the innovative new Rate Star program. They do a great job. They're leading in the industry, and we're going to hear about that in a little bit. Of course, we're going to hear about the latest KPI from Motivity Solutions. They have the outstanding reporting, dashboard, and scorecard system, and we'll be talking about that again. And while we're up there, maybe even try to get John Maynell stop in here and give us a word on the latest KPI. Also, Velma, an effective mortgage marketing and email platform. Simplifile, a real-time electronic communications exchange. And the Mortgage Collaborative, the power of the network. And, of course, DNH. Now, they join forces with MySys, and their new company name is Finestra. That's the name of the new entity. You can still go to the dh.com, check out the website. They have the announcement up there, or you can call them at 1-800-815-5592. It's good to have Andy, Shell, Alice, Alvey, Joe, and Sam with us. We're hearing from them a little bit later in the program. Again, I'm looking at the conference update. Again, the Motivity Conference is here at, at the Beaver Creek Lodge at the ski resort up here in the cool mountains. We'll be here through Thursday. The other upcoming conference I want to bring to your attention is the Mortgage Collaborative Conference 2017. It's the summer conference. It's in Nashville, Tennessee at the Omni Hotel. And of course, you can check out all the conferences that the NBA has at their website or go over to Sam Garcia's website. He has a great list of virtually every conference there is on the planet. So anyway, let's take a look at um, when you look at some of the stuff that's coming up. Um, I'm looking at some of the information that's out there. We had a webinar that was really successful and getting a lot of feedback on it. And we now have a copy of that. And that was put on by String. They do a great job. Jeff Babcock and Jim Cameron of the Stratmore Group will be doing a presentation on M&A marketing conditions out there for M&A environment and a lot of activity. I was talking to Jeff Babcock just last week and so they're going to have a great webinar and I encourage you to check it out. And you can go to String and S-T-R-I-N-G like a string and check out their conferences. You'll see it up there, but it's a webinar. We did one very successful. All right, let's talk to Joe Farr with what's going on in the markets. Joe, I'm logged into your website. I love this website and it's so informative what's going on and so 
why don't we run through the calendar, my friend? What you got? Well, as today, we'll talk about New York Fed President Dudley had an effect on the market today. We're down about 3.30 seconds. No economic data, but Dudley made some fairly hawkish comments, and it caused the MBS prices to drop from being up a couple 30 seconds to being down a couple 30 seconds. And what he said, Dave, was that he felt that halting the current tightening cycle would be bad for the economy. You know, and, you know, there's been a lot of people out there saying maybe you need to stop the tightening cycle to uh, let the economy strengthen. So it was a little hawkish to have said that. And, and he went on to say that he felt like the employment and inflation levels were good, that the U.S. economy was, was generally pleased. He was pleased with the U.S. economy. You know, rate hikes have really not tightened the financial situation significantly, and the flattening of the yield curve wasn't a big deal to him, even though short ends risen and long ends fallen. You know, the market reacted to those comments and you know, it's one of those examples where not everything's on the calendar, right? He's a Fed speaker, and, and we'll see more Fed speakers throughout this week, and I'll get to that in the week ahead. Talking about last week, it was really all about what happened on Wednesday. Wednesday morning early, retail sales came out as well as CPI. The retail sales ex-auto fell below expectations. They were, came in well below expectations at down three-tenths when it plus two-tenths was expected. And then CPI came in lower than expected. Core CPI rose a tenth when two-tenths was expected. And if you look at CPI over the course of this year so far, it's been on a steady fall. January is 2.3, February is 2.2, March was 2.0, April was 1.9, and then May was 1.7. So it's certainly on a trend, and five months in a row does make a trend. And a similar trend has been seen in the core PCE. So it, it's kind of hard for the Fed to ignore that, although they have been saying these are transitory situations. So the Fed meeting followed later in the day. The statement was read, you know, as it usually is about two o'clock, and then Fed Chair Yellen had her press conference. On Wednesday morning, uh, we saw a nice improvement. Yeah, we saw a nice improvement in MBS prices, about a half a point improvement in MBS prices before the Fed meeting started. But then when the statement was read and then when Janet Yellen's press conference was ongoing, MBS prices dropped about 5.30 seconds, so almost not quite half of uh, – uh, well, about 5.30 seconds of that half a point gain was lost you know, as the Fed was speaking. What was said by the Fed was viewed as more hawkish than what most people expected. The statement mentioned that the drop in inflation was transitory, as I said earlier, and, and in a press conference, Fed Chair Yellen mentioned that the balance sheet reduction could begin shortly. Investors read that to Ooh. say that that could happen, should start, could start in September. And that start date's a little sooner than most people had expected, which is why we saw that drop in prices. For the week last week, uh, MBS prices improved about 6.30 seconds and uh, ended the week near the best levels of the year. So actually going back to the election. So it's really a, a, a good hmm. situation to be in right now. So looking ahead, Dave, we got not a lot of economic data to look at. Uh, new home sales, existing home sales on Wednesday and new home sales on Friday. But just like what we saw today, Fed speakers are the ones that could move the market this week. And probably the, the more significant of the speakers is one that's going to happen overnight. Fed Vice Chair Fisher is making a speech somewhere in the Netherlands, I think. And, and so it's uh, going to occur, I think, 315 a.m. I don't know if that's Eastern time or Central time, but we're going to wake up to whatever he had said, and, and that could move the markets. And then along with the Fed statement in the press conference, they released the, the guidelines for their balance sheet reduction. I won't get into all of them because most people, I'm sure, are aware of them. But as mentioned earlier, the start's yet to be determined, but most people think that her comments say it could, happen, it could begin as soon as September. And then when they begin to reduce the balance sheet, they're not going to reinvest all the principal payments they receive. You know, it starts at $10 billion a month, going to $50 billion a month, 12 months. The MBS portion of that is going to be 40%. That's pretty much in line with the percentage of holdings on the balance sheet. But, you know, one interesting fact is that after 12 months, uh, MBS portion of the reduction will be $20 billion. Well, they're only buying $24 billion a month right now. So, you know, essentially they'll be out of the market in a year. And, yeah. and that reduced demand is what's got an influence on MBS prices. Unlike when they announced the taper, this didn't create a tantrum, but it certainly has had some impact on MBS prices. And, and with the Fed no longer being a, uh, supplying that demand, it's likely con to continue to have a negative influence. 
Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. I saw the announcement, could but be. I haven't seen. Yeah, I mean, anytime they start talking about a balance sheet reduction, that could have some some implications liquidity. So that'll be really interesting. We'll be watching that. Very interesting. I'm looking over right. your website again. It's, I like how you stack up all the events that are happening in the week. It's real concise. You know, a lot of people, there's, there's other services out there, and they have a lot of good information, a lot of information. But if you're looking for someone, a place to go that, it just gives you what you need to make the decisions, which I like. You know, it's scannable, it's easy to read, it's simple, and it's all right in one place, and it's on my phone. I click it and got it. So kudos to you on right. an outstanding job on the website. I really Thanks, do appreciate Ed. it. You bet, man. We're going to be right back after this brief break, and uh, we're going to be back with Les Parker's update and uh, get his macro look at the markets. Again, right back after this brief break. Looking for that competitive edge? MBS QuoteLine delivers live market coverage for originators. Get up-to-the-minute mortgage market news and analysis as events occur. Get MBS prices as trades happen. Straight to your computer, email, cell phone, or PDA. Know in advance when your investors will reprice. Make better lock float decisions and increase your income. Be the expert your clients expect. And know what's moving interest rates right now, tomorrow, and beyond. MBS QuoteLine, delivering live market coverage for originators. Learn more about MBS QuoteLine today at MBS. MBSQuoteLine.com. MBSQuoteLine.com. 646-716-4972. The Lickin on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. Yeah, I love that. I love what Joe has for a service, and it's so valuable. I encourage you guys to check it out if you haven't already done so. Also, another valuable service is Les Parker's commentary. He's with Loan Logics. He gives us a macro look at what's going on and looking at the balance sheet issues. I'm always interested in Les's perspective. So without further ado, let's go over to Les Parker. Les, what do you have for us? Thanks, Dave. This is Market Logics Live, sponsored by Loan Logics. Ain't nothing gonna break our stride. Nobody gonna slow us down. Oh no, we gotta keep on tightening. The Fed remains on track to tighten again and begin to trim its balance sheet this year. It starts sounding like fake news when the crowd says mortgage rates are going to go higher, and yet they don't. So why do long-term rates keep going lower as the Fed tightens? For years, the Federal Reserve tried to avoid deflation and spark growth. Instead, it incentivized safe risk-on investing. So when whiffs of uncertainty came, risk-off investments flourished, which produces timid growth and calm inflation. These views are my own. Go to LoanLogics.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. I love that song. Uh, parodies are so good. Anyway, I love his music parodies. He's a very bright guy. I love that perspective. And so any another perspective I love to get is what's going on. In the legislative update, we have Alice Alvey dialed in now from – she is a new resident of Ohio after decades of living in Michigan. How's Ohio treating you, Alice? Hi, Dave. Ohio is treating me wonderfully. Everything here at Union Home is great. Great group of folks, and I'm learning a lot. So I'm looking forward to all of the potential here for uh, the training program. To get everybody here up to speed, I think uh, one of the things I want to make sure folks didn't miss is the U.S. Treasury report that came out. Uh, let's see, on the exact date it was last week. And in that report, they highlight the regulatory burden on our industry. It feels more like a white paper than a report to me as I read it because there tends to be a little bit of a slant in it of trying to get rid of regulation, which all of us on listening to this program can usually go, yeah, let's do it, right? <laughs> we want everybody to <laughs> yeah. jump in on this. So, um, But it lists off many of the regulations, definitely worth reading. I'm not sure how much ultimate influence it will have, though. Uh, in terms of making some real change, focusing a lot on improving the Volcker rule and, and all the components of Dodd-Frank that we've all been listening to uh, or dealing with all these years. But the main thing in here that I wanted to point out was the idea that they believe HUMDA should also be postponed. It needs the changes that we are all starting to plan for and work on. This is the first sign of some agency of substance that's also recognizing we may need more time on this. And as you all know, the only postponement you can have with Humda is not a 90-day or a 60-day. It would be a all the way till next year 
you know, you have to work with your data in full-year batches. I can't say on the radio it's being postponed, but I can point you to the fact that the U.S. Treasury is also making uh, this recommendation uh, due to not having enough data to support that it's going to bring any value. So I think I'm going to watch that closely uh, for all of our listeners. A couple other things, just a reminder that CFTB rule, the ATRQM comments are due by July 31st, so you have a little bit of time still to get that out. CFTB is looking for feedback on the ATRQM rule, and as you know, there's the QM patch in there that gives us this waiver for the Fannie Freddie exempt, uh, that their loans are, you know, have some exemption in here when you get that approved eligible. Well, that's another layer we've got to think about in really pushing the agencies to start to solve for Fannie and Freddie. So I just wanted to remind folks that you could comment on that, and perhaps one of the comments has to address that issue as well. Again, that report isn't due to be published for quite some time. A couple other notes here. There's some flood insurance bills that I need to check on. They were scheduled to vote, and I want to double-check on where those have come out and have landed as of today. Flood insurance, as you all know, is a big deal in servicing, and there are quite a few bills out there looking to try and extend that so we don't have to keep revisiting this every year. And last but not least, lots of talk in the industry on the credit reporting changes. Those are all due to really feel the change coming up here in the next couple of weeks, and lenders all across the country are looking to say, all right, if certain civil judgments are not going to be on credit reports anymore, what is my obligation to have to run a secondary check uh, using another third-party service to find out if I've missed any civil judgment information? And Freedom May has given some guidance, but we all kind of feel a little uneasy about saying, well, if I don't see it, I don't have to talk about it, right? We still want the borrower to have the ability to repay the loan, make sure that we've checked everything. This is a 50-50 split right now with lenders who are going to subscribe to a third-party service and other lenders who are saying, hey, Fannie and Freddie aren't telling me I have to fill that gap once this information stops appearing on credit reports. So it really starts to be a risk judgment call at your shop based on your investors, how you sell your loans, the risk of your overall portfolio, and so forth. So companies are still doing that analysis, and I'm saying 50-50 split right now because too many of us still haven't even decided which way we're going to land. Uh, so Dave will have more on that as that deadline draws near, uh, as lenders are trying to determine what to do with the new credit report at the beginning of July. Lots of moving pieces going on. So you're now doing training. You're the head of all training and education there. How does it feel to be working inside? Actually, someone sent me a question. Ask Alice, how does it work, feel to be working back inside a shop? Is it change your perspective having been outside working at Indicom, now working inside, does it change your perspective on training? Well, you definitely just you, um, have to change that you're you're now looking at how to set up training and run training that's very specific to the goals and objectives of one organization, right? As a vendor right. trying to sell a product and make it widespread usage and application, that's the part that feels just a little different. But one thing I do have to say is I know we were on track with the training. We were developing it at Indicom as we were saying, here are the targets. We need to reach people on a job-level basis and don't clutter it with too much compliance. So a lot of it is similar in the content we're looking for, but the structure obviously is much more customized. So great question. Yeah. Um, I'm still getting Good. used to that change, actually. You're getting used to that shift? <laughs> yeah, working for, for one specific focus versus trying to serve the needs of a mass industry that's got multiple focuses so good job alice really appreciate you staying with us and being here i mean we can't imagine this program without you you've been here since the beginning folks we're going to be right back after a word from our sponsors stay tuned about simplifile be right back simplifile has technology that gives you the ability to collaborate with settlement agents via real-time chat and messaging allowing you to track changes send receive and validate documents as well as obtain status updates and deal with issues as they arise all of this in a real-time electronic communication exchange. And best of all, you have a complete audit trail of all communications. To learn more, go to Simplifile.com or call our good friend Nancy Alley at 1-800-460-5657. Finastra is extremely proud to be a key sponsor of the Licking on Lending program. Known formally as DNH, Finastra's global lending division provides end-to-end solutions and innovation to the full spectrum of lenders including independent mortgage bankers, 
community banks and credit unions, and even the largest banks globally. Learn more about how you can provide an innovative digital experience for your borrowers by leveraging our multi-channel point-of-sale solution, which includes the new MortgageBot Mobile, by visiting our website at finastra.com. It's the new Finastra, F-I-N-A-S-T-R-A.com. Or you can go to DNH. When I was at DNH earlier, it's still the same. But anyway, congratulations on that. Sounds very positive, and we're expecting some great things to happen out of that. Let's get over to Sam Garcia. It's always fun to have Sam, who's stuck in the heat there in Dallas. How was Father's Day, my friend? My Father's Day was great. Had my daughter over the night before. We hung out. She stayed overnight. and We had some fun. It was good. Good to be a father. I'm lucky. <laughs> How about you? That is, you know what? My youngest daughter is in Europe, and I was texting earlier today. We had a great FaceTime in talk and conversation. So it was so much fun with technology and bringing them right together. They she was in Vienna at the time, or Geneva at the time, and then she took the train to Paris, and guess where she landed? Right where that terrorist attack took place today. So it was there, and she was there. You know, She was in a subway below it where it all happened, but it's just amazing. So needless to say, they're on pins and needles, so we're grateful to see that she's alive and well over there and all the stuff that's going on. So they're in Paris, and then they go to uh, over to London. So, yeah. It's a little nerve-wracking. So you're good. You got your kids all around you. That's good to have. I just have one daughter, but uh, so you're the Liam Neeson type. If anything happens, you're there and you'll find them. (laughs) I will find a way to get there to to, to protect that girl. So anyway, uh, it's good to have you with us. You do a great job. I'm looking over at your website. Love what you have up here at MortgageDaily.com. People haven't checked it out. See MortgageDaily.com. A lot of good data and some good reports in there. So anyway. What you got for us today, Sam? What's the headlines? Well, we got a lot of data in this last week, so I'm just going to jump right in and read let's off go data. over it. So the final tally is in for the first quarter, and total mortgage originations came in at $353 billion. And we based that estimate on data that's given to us by the FDIC, by Callahan and Associates for Credit Unions, and by the Conference of State Bank Supervisors for non-bank originators. So business tumbled from 517 billion in the fourth quarter but there was really little change compared to a year earlier the latest volume consisted of 152 billion in bank originations 38 billion in credit union production and 163 billion in non-bank lending so while the 43% market share at banks during this most recent quarter was the same from a year earlier the non-bank market share fell to 46% from 48% a year earlier so we saw a dip there in non-bank year over year. But then over at credit unions, they'd climbed to 11% market share from 9% a year earlier. So credit unions grabbed market share from non-banks. I thought that was interesting, you know, on a year over year basis. Moving on to NMLS data indicate that the number of mortgage loan originators that are in the NMLS uh, database was just over 553,000 in the first quarter. That was about 26,000 more people registered than a year earlier. So we're seeing growth Hmm. in loan originators. And the first quarter is key because what you find is those, you know, like second, third, and fourth quarters always have people who might have dropped out, but, you know, the license doesn't expire till the end of the year. So what's really first quarter versus first quarter that gives us the biggest indication. So interesting to see we've got some growth among loan originators. Now, while the share of originators who work for non-banks widened to 25% from 24% a year ago, bank-registered originators, their share dipped to 75% from 76%. So, you know, we saw a little bit of shifting movement from banks to non-banks. Even as we saw, you know, in that last story I pointed out, that the credit union share picked up and non-bank share dropped in originations. We'll see where that goes. We've got the refinance forecast that was put out by Fannie Mae today. In its economic forecast, it said that this year's refinances are going to total $546 billion, and that's an increase from what they expected last month when they predicted $510 billion. So Fannie Mae is more optimistic about refinances, and obviously that's related to rates, which is persistently hanging low. God, I think we started predicting a year, you know, two or three years ago that they'd had up, but they just, just seem to keep hanging down. Mm-hmm. FHFA released its report on GSE refinances, and it's a little bit different here, and they've got less than 118,000 refinances were done. You know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans were refinanced during April. That was the fewest since April 2014. Um, An even more interesting uh, statistic is that 
The HARP production for April fell to under 3,500 to the slowest level on record. So since they basically wow. started reporting that, so HARP is on its way out at this point. You know, and that makes sense because we've got appreciation yep. happening. So uh, there's not such a need. There's not so many underwater borrowers. Um, our mortgage market index, which is an indication of upcoming loan originations, was up four percent last week, and driving the increase in the index, which is based on open close rate locks, was an 11 percent bounce and conventional business. So conventional drove a little bit of a bump there. CoreLogic reported that 90-day mortgage delinquency was 2.1% in March, a 10-year low. So uh, serious delinquency taking a serious decline. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of Santander in a case involving a defaulted car loan. And the reason I bring that up is because an attorney named Joseph Liniak, who's a partner over at Dorsey and Whitney, he said that this case might bode well if the Supreme Court reviews the CFPB's Section 8 respite interpretation, which you know, overruled decades of established yeah. interpretive guidance. So it uh, could work out well if they do uh, hear that case. We'll see what happens there. Rating Guarantee announced updates to its guidelines last week. And among the updates were increased LTV ratios on some of its programs. That's always good news. And finally, one interesting bit of news was Open Mortgage announced an expansion into wholesale lending. They're out of Austin, Texas. And they said yeah. that their offerings include prime mortgages, near-prime mortgage, and non-QM, non-prime products. So uh, another wholesaler for yeah. mortgage brokers to grab on to. And uh, those are those yeah. are some of the biggest uh, headlines and a lot of data over this last week, but interesting. Scott Gordon, who owns that company, is a client and a friend, and talking about that and there's, there's some good activity in the whole broker channel so well, I don't know if we'll ever see it back to the way it was but certainly encouraging for those brokers out there because there has been a resurgence of them in the marketplace or much so. You do a good job Sam I love what you have for people that want to check out your information your website go to mortgagedaily.com or give Sam a call at 214-521-1300 you can also reach Sam at Sam Garcia at MortgageDaily.com. Thank you, friend. Appreciate you being Thank here you, with sir. us. Thank you, sir. You bet. We're going to be right back after a word from ArchMI, and they're talking about the leadership. So lead with us. Shawnee, what do you got for us? Thanks, David. It's spring home buying season, and lenders are competing for business. With ArchMI RateStar, you can dominate your market and claim the lion's share of business. How? RateStar allows you to assess individual loan risk more precisely. If you're hunting for more profitable business, RateStar helps you capture and close more of those loans. With RateStar, you're leader of the pack. Partner with ArchMI and lead with us. That's the truth. That's how you lead. And if another place to get some leadership or connect with leadership is at the Mortgage Collaborative. And so I encourage you, we got the summer conference up to learn more about how to connect with the collaborative. Stay tuned for this. The Mortgage Collaborative was founded by former chairman of the NBA, John Robbins and David Kittle, and leaders at the forefront of the diversity movement in the real estate industry, Jim Park and Gary Acosta. The Mortgage Collaborative is the nation's only independent cooperative. The Collaborative provides its members the opportunity to meet and form meaningful relationships with top mortgage professionals and leaders in our industry. In a relationship-driven business such as ours, often who you know is as important as what you know. To learn more, go to mortgagecollaborative.com or call Rich Swarbinski at 440-552-0691. The power of the network. It's a good network. encourage you to check it out. Love to see you there in Nashville this summer. Andy Shell, the profit doctor, is in the house. Good to have him with us, as always. Enjoyed some good barbecue with my good friend Andy this last week. Hi, Dave. Always fun. To, it'll be very soon. And we're going to be able to add another set of letters behind your here in a little while, I learned about. So that's exciting. You are just a letterman, just initial letter, initial CPA, CMB. And you're one smart guy, and we're blessed to have you here, friend. Talk about the bottom line. Kind, What's Dave. going on out there? You know, all the letters don't matter if you can't apply it, make it make sense to people that you're working with. So it's really important to be able to communicate effectively. And so as we start thinking about communicating, part about communicating is also understanding. So I wanted to mention to everyone that we've got our servicing webinar coming up in a couple of weeks. The first session is an overview of servicing, and then the next session is on the details of servicing, and access to these webinars is through uh, mba.org, and then go to education. You can sign up and learn lots about servicing revenue risks, rules, and ROI, the four R's of servicing. So Dave, when we talk about communication, the thing I wanted to mention is that uh, we have to build a foundation of understanding. So it starts by having a common language. And a lot of the people we as accountants are speaking with, like 
owner, business of owners probably aren't a CPA, probably don't have a degree in accounting, probably aren't schooled in the, the fine details of accounting. So it's, it's on us. It's on the accountants to communicate in a way that's understandable. It's not the other person's responsibility to understand more about accounting. It's our responsibility to communicate in a way that's clear and understandable. And we do that by building some foundations and understanding. So we talk about things like profit targets and revenue on volume. People are able to get their head around basis points in revenue on volume. And same thing by expenses. Expenses, just a couple of different broad categories of expenses, direct expenses, indirect expenses, things that are directly associated with the loan, like the originator activity and the originator commission, and then rent for the home office. So we talk about those expenses in terms of volume and other metrics. We look at staff count. We look at various other things that kind of drive the answer home. We don't expect people to be able to read a cash flow statement that comes out of the CPA's toolbox. We want to break that down into something that's understandable. So we start by saying, if you ever look at a report by a CPA and you look at profit, that number does not equal cash. Accountants do all kinds of crazy things to make profit be something other than actually the cash that you got in the bank. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. Almost always it's less. So we need to have an understanding about that so we communicate those points in ways that are understandable. And we do that through charts and graphs and dashboard format. You gotta use pictures. You don't just use numbers. Use graphs that show the revenue is a is a taller bar graph and the expenses is a lower bar graph and the net of the two is a is profit and then show it in different formats and show dials and, and charts and lines but use colors and use pictures and for the most part don't even use financial statements. It's about the results and what it means to the business and what it means next. So it's not always looking backwards. We also have to look forwards and explain what's next. We gotta present our 30, 60, 90 day cash flow forecast in a way that's understandable, not just a you know a hundred line Excel file with 60 rows, converted into yeah. something that's understandable. And so accountants so struggle with this, but that's one of the key things to be effective in financial management is communicating the complex in a simple and understandable way. And you do an amazing job of that, my friend. Good stuff. Appreciate it. That okay. webinar again, when is that webinar? It is July the 12th and July the 19th. Love for people to sign up, learn about servicing, MSRs and SRPs and ROIs and investors pulling servicing and how to make the most of it and how many, how much staff should you have? How many loans per employee? Well, how does that work? What are the dynamics and how do you know if you're doing it well? That's good, man. I will look forward to it. I'm going to sign up for it myself. Appreciate you, Andy, okay. for being here. Always love having you here. If you want to connect with Andy, you can get a hold of Andy at Andy at mbs-team.com. Appreciate you. The Profit Doctor. Good to have him in the house. And if you want to get some of the best ribs in Texas, go to Opie's Barbecue and Spice with Frankfurt. David and I get together for lunch. <laughs> it's, our, it's our office away from the office. So anyway, appreciate that much, man. Well, let's run over to John Maynell. It's appropriate we do so. We're sitting here in the Motivity Solutions office. So let's get the KPI of the week. It has to do is, is underwriting to closing. John, what you got for us this week? Hello, Dave. Thanks very much. Great to be here as always. And this week we have another key performance indicator related to TRID. And the KPI is underwriting to closing days. And like all TRID metrics, the focus is the estimated closing date and how far in advance a file should be submitted to underwriting to make provisions for any and all underwriting eventualities, possibly multiple resubmissions, and leaving enough time after final approval to finish the loan and deliver the closing disclosure on time. A very common practice for lenders that have automated their analytics with mortgage business intelligence like Movation is to have the system automatically send email alerts to participants on those loans that are running late and at risk of missing these milestone deadlines. Now, this allows loan participants to continually reprioritize their workflow to ensure they remain compliant, clearly demonstrating again that what gets measured gets results. And with that, Dave, I will thank you once again and turn it back to you. And there's no better way to measure it than with Motivity Solutions. Check it out at HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash motivitysolutions.com or call them at 303-721-9000. Now a part of the Black Knight family. Very exciting. We're heading up to Beaver Creek. Jack, uh, John, and I are jumping the car with TJ heading up there and uh, looking forward to getting caught up in everything. Today's hot topic guest. I'm so excited. Dave and I have been 
running to each other for years at all these conferences. I have so much respect for him as a leader in the industry. David Luna is the president of Mortgage Educators and uh, Compliance. He's based out of Salt Lake, Utah. Does a great job in these conferences. Brings a lot of energy and wisdom. He keeps a, a conference, a mortgage, boring mortgage banking conference, lively as anything you could ever have. He has served as a commissioner appointed by the governor. Has also, for the commissioner of real estate, the regulator. And he was the head regulator for the state. And did an amazing job there and has also served and had a number of executive positions for banks and credit union and mortgage bankers and mortgage brokerage firms throughout his 35 years in the industry. And we're excited to have him here with us. I caught up with David a little bit earlier this week and had a chance to visit with him and I pre-recorded this interview. And so uh, with that, Let's run over to that interview. Folks, I am excited to have a friend of mine, David Luna, on the phone. He's president of Mortgage Educators and Compliance. David speaks all over the nation. He does not need much of an introduction, and he speaks over 200 times all over the nation. David, good to have you here with us today. Oh, thank you for the invitation. You and I were both keynote speaker. In fact, you were moderating, or you're the MC, and in addition to the speaker, you were MCing and doing training at a number of the conferences we've been at together. But the one that was at a Great Rivers Conference in Memphis. In Memphis, Tennessee. Wasn't that fun? That was so much fun. You know what made it extra special is you. You well, being there. That's what made it extra special. <laughs> it was really fun. But, you know, it was your wife. I finally got to meet your wife. And what a sweetheart. And I understand that it's your anniversary coming up tomorrow. Is that true? It is, that, is, that is correct. June 20th, uh, Kimmy and I would have been together for 40 years. Wow. Would have been. You will be. You're going to go on way longer than that. Well, I hope so. But you never know what's going to happen between today and tomorrow. You just never know. That's why, that's why every single day you have to enjoy, you know, uh, your partner, your companion, your lifelong buddy. I mean, we have been together for a very long time, and we love traveling together. We really, really do. That's amazing. Is Kimberly around? I would love to get her on the phone because it's a congratulator on being able to be married to a, a mortgage professional like yourself for as long as – is Kimberly around? She is. One one second. Let me get her for you. Hang on. Hello. Hello, Kimberly. This is David Lickens. Thanks. I was hoping to be able to get you on the phone and share with you. First of all, for many of our listeners, you may know her better as Princess Kimmy because when she's traveling around the country, she is the princess. And I, well, first of all, congratulations for 40 years of marriage as of tomorrow. What an amazing story, Kimmy. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much for the congratulations. It's, it's been just wonderful. We love being married. We love being together. We're together almost 24-7 all the time. <laughs> that is amazing. Like, Well, I think that's unusual because a lot of spouses like glad to see you for some amount of time, but you drive me crazy if you're around here too much. I think my wife may think that at times. But I want to talk about this for a minute. This is kind of not kind of going off script here, but I think many marriages struggle today. And if you don't mind me just impromptu putting this on you on the spot here, but what do you think is the key to the success of your marriage for 40 years to a very high-profile, charging guy like I am, but to Dave Luna? What is the key, Kimmy? I would say communication. We are always talking. We always also put to each other first or the other person's happiness first. And so we try to just make each other happy. And that may sound simple, but that's, that is truly what we do. We, we communicate. We try to, to just take care of each other and speak kindly to one another. I think it's amazing. And you and David are very different. And you have very different communication styles, as we talked about when we were there in Memphis. And we had a chance to pull aside. And I was visiting with the two of you. And I was so delighted to meet you. Oh, it was so nice to meet you. Now, for those who are listening, I'm calling her Kimmy. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I don't want people thinking I'm being disrespectful calling you Kimmy, but that is your nickname within the industry. So, so when you were there, you shared a really funny but I think significant story when it comes to communication because yes. you do have very different speaking styles and communication styles. If you could share that one secret, I'm employing that now with my wife, and it's working. So share that with our listeners. Oh, sure. Okay. So 
as most couples, you're always you should always be growing and learning, and it doesn't matter if you've been married one year or thirty years or forty years. You need to always be growing. So sometimes my my husband will ask me a question, and he's waiting for just a quick answer. And sometimes I don't know. I think most women like to talk, so I may give a really long answer. So so we decided to to <laughs> in order to better communicate. I would put up one finger, my index finger, and say, and that means to him, I'm going to take a little while to answer that question, <laughs> so that he knows ahead of time. Okay, she's going <laughs> to she's going to elaborate, and and it made us laugh when we did when we came up with that. It just made us laugh. So <laughs> whenever I do that, it makes us laugh. It takes away any kind of, you know. That is funny. <laughs> and so what you're doing, the purpose of that for people that may not yet kind of fully understand that, uh-huh. so you're yeah. more verbal. You think like I do. You're, we process out loud, at least I do. And and my <laughs> wife is like your husband, which is more bullet, get it down to concise statements. And yeah. so you and I are communicators of that use an abundance of words that to kind of get through it, and we do process out loud. So what you do is you hold up your pointer finger, your index finger, and say, let me get through, let me get this out. So now hand the phone to Dave, and let's hear Dave's part of this, and let's get Dave's on, and then I want to come back to you in just a minute, Kerry. So, uh, Dave, you got the phone back? I've got the phone back. How are you? All right. So when you're when Kim does that to you, what do you do? What What's that response? So give me that. Give me that because let's get the yin and yang. Let's get both sides of this. Okay. I'm the president of a company. We have multiple offices. I have many employees. I have many instructors. And sometimes I just need a concise, quick response to a, an inquiry. Okay. Kimmy does not like to do that. She likes to elaborate, which caused great contention and frustration, even though we've been together all of these many years, okay, until she came up with, I think we both came up with it. You know, when she puts up her index finger, it's like, wait, I'm going to take some time. I will answer your question, but I want to give you much more detail. And now when she does that, instead of it being a point of contention or frustration, we smile, we laugh, we go, isn't that funny? So couples having been together for a very, very, very long time might get used to, you know, certain things, but you've got you to gotta constantly be growing in a relationship. You just can't sit back and go, okay, we're married. We don't have to work on this any, anymore. You have to work on it daily if you want something to be super special. That's a great answer, and what I want to do now, I love the fact that you laugh together. I think that's the most important thing is learning to laugh at the differences rather than letting conflict. So let's go back to Kimmy for just a minute, and I have a question for you, Kimmy. You talked about it's always growing, the importance of always growing as a couple, and I'm sure those those moments that Dave talked about where it was frustrating mm-hmm. during that communication time, uh, for earlier on until you figured it out. What are some tips that you could give to those that are listeners to make their marriage stronger? What are things that you went through to learn how to communicate or how to make a successful marriage? Where did you go for that? I would say between the the two of us, we've always talked. I, I guess that's probably a strength that we have, that we do talk with each other. Like I said earlier, we also speak kind words to each other. I think that's very important. We don't speak any kind of teasing way. We just speak kindly. And I think that helps, you know, that that helps a lot because there's no bad feelings that are felt if you're speaking kindly to each other. So I think that's key, too, in, in the communication. Not just what you say, it's the way you say it. You don't want to ever say something that you have to take back. And so we try not to ever say anything that we have to take back. That's good. That's good. Too many times we say things in an emotional moment that comes out and can that can live longer and it's like toothpaste out of a tube. You can never get those words back in. And that's so that's so wise. So you and I are both of kind of have a similar personality. We we are very outgoing, we're bubbly and we're we use a lot of words and sometimes I, how did you overcome the impulsiveness to want to respond with a fiery comment? What 
how did you do it? Is when you hold up that index finger, that pointer finger, and you're is that as much for yourself oh, yes. as it is for David? It is. And we also really um at time when we you know will have to keep from saying something that we don't want to say, we will go take a walk. One of us will go take a walk, or we will just be quiet and realize, okay, I am not going to say anything That's good. that would be detrimental to our marriage. That's just not something we, you know, we want. We, we really treasure our marriage. We treasure each other, and we want to treat each other as kindly as possible. It is so good to get these words of wisdom especially from someone who has 40 years to gather. And anyone who sees you at these conferences, there's a love between the two of you that is just so evident. I just, uh, congratulations on 40 years of marriage. That's awesome. Oh, thank Kimmy. you. Thank you very much. It's been 40 most glorious years. Yeah, it's wonderful. It really has. That's wonderful. It's great to have you on. I do have some questions I want to ask your husband. So thank you for jumping on here for a few minutes. That's wonderful. Oh, well, thanks for having me on. You bet. <laughs> Thank you so much. You bet. All right. Look forward to seeing you at another conference here soon, Kimberly. Blessing. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, David. I think that I think the secret I think the secret, Dave, is you always want to marry up. Yes. You always marry up, and life is so much easier. So much easier. So if you both have the goal of marrying up, how do you pull that off? I, I don't know. I think Kimmy took the. Uh, the the short end of the stick on that one but yeah. hey she said yes and you know it's been great for me ever since so yeah, uh, i'm gonna take it i'm gonna take it i don't know if she was on drugs at the time or what but, you know <laughs> she said yes and so we're good you're good well you know i think communication which really is a great segue into some of the things i want to talk to you about you're a leader in the industry you speak over 200 times at conferences i don't know how that's possible how do you in a, it was 52 weeks that means you're speaking four times a week on an average. I mean, that's about right. That's about right. I asked the office this year if they could please tone down my schedule so that I had at least one extra day of rest this week because my voice is gone. And I've been trying to do tea, meaning uh, cinnamon, lemon, honey, gargle with warm salt water, trying to save the voice because I'm gonna, uh, yesterday I was in front of 180 people at a, at a particular private event yesterday. We do things with MGIC as well and MGIC had me on an hour and a half before that in a webinar. So I'm talking constantly and you gotta save the voice as you well know. So if you have any tips or secrets on how to save your voice, I'm uh, I'm all open for that. Yeah. Well, you, I'm a vocal major, and we they they taught us how to do that. And you're doing the right things, honey. Tea, and then it's just also resting and taking time to rest. That's that's just one of the most important things you can do. But one of the things you bring up, one of the things I talk about when I'm consulting a lot is how to communicate internally. And the rule or the 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 uh, approach that you and Kim take, Kimmy take, by holding up the one finger, I think it'd be so well served. David, inside of companies, because there are some of us, like me, who process out loud, and there's others like yourself, and that's a sanguine, extroverted, fun-loving type personality, and then there's the more serious or, you know, still very people-oriented, is the cleric lifestyle, and you're more bullets. You want those things delivered to you in a more concise way, and that sets up a dynamic that's very familiar to many of our listeners inside of companies. I want to get some ideas from you real quickly as we follow and segue into the future where I want to look at your perspective on the future, but what are some tips that you would give to CEOs and or the C-level executives or even loan originators as they communicate with underwriters and processors in communication? I think you need to communicate the way that the other person wants to receive communication. I mean, whether you're parodying or mirroring if the person on the other end of the conversation is speaking very, very quickly, then you speak quickly. If they tend to slow down because they're thoughtful, methodical, then you need to slow down. Listen to the words that the other people use. For example, if they say, you know, that doesn't sound right to me, that doesn't ring true, then you're doing, you're dealing with an auditory individual and you have to now speak to the way they hear. If it's a more visual person, I, I don't really see what you're saying. You know, can you paint a clearer picture for me? 
oh, okay, I'm dealing with a visual. And so now you have to change your conversation to a visual versus an auditory learner or listener. And then the third one is a kinesthetic listener. This person needs to feel what you're saying. They want to internalize. They want to see the result of either this decision, that decision, why are we doing this, why are we not doing the other. They want to feel the consequences, the, the celebrations. And so you'll need to communicate with your, you know, whoever it is that you're communicating with in a manner that they understand or the manner that they process information. So if we do not listen to respond, but we actually truly listen to communicate, I think that's huge. That is excellent. I really like that. I'm making some quick notes. I teach and consult on this topic, but there's some that just like yourself who do so much speaking. For those that are aspiring speakers, we have a lot of people that listen, our listeners that are aspiring speakers and want to be more effective in their communication. What are some tricks and tips that you have learned to pick up on listening styles or learning styles or communication styles, all of which are the kind of the same thing? I think, one, if you're at the front of a group of individuals, you already have the respect, the authority. I don't think you, you want to command anything on yourself. You're already there. So I think a little bit of humbleness, I think a little bit of teachability for the speaker is super important. You think you may know everything, you don't. So if you can listen to your audience, you can learn a lot more. And so when I'm visiting with people, I like asking questions. And the audience sometimes is sitting there saying, okay, I'm just going to sit here for the next X number of you know minutes or hours, and I'm just going to listen. No, 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 no. I engage the audience and then listen to how the audience is speaking to you. Listen to that individual that's speaking to you. How do they perceive, receive, incorporate, understand information, and then speak the way that they are speaking? Now, in an audience of, you know, 100, 180 people that I had yesterday, that's going to be different. You're not going to be able to relate to everybody exactly the way that they that they process information. So with, you know, sometimes you're just going to have to vary it up. But I have found consistently those three. If you paint in pictures or if you have a PowerPoint presentation or any other kind of presentation that's visual, you've got the visual learners. If you tell stories, people can retain information much, much longer if you tell stories. How does this relate? to what you're saying. And sometimes they will share stories that will help you as a presenter. And three, make them feel, you know, the kinesthetic learners, make them feel it. Now, if you can just keep rolling through those three, the visual for the visual learners, the stories for the auditory learners, and how you feel, and it can be personal feelings or stories where other feelings were invoked, then you have the audience. And I don't believe that, you know, humor is inappropriate. I have listened, for example, to the past President Bush, and, and President Bush has a sense of humor. You, If you listen to any great speakers, they are not monotone all of the time. They try to engage with the audience. And this doesn't mean you tell canned jokes, yeah. because those aren't really going to go over very well. And if you speak to the same group over and over and over, over several years, they're going to know the ending of your joke before you say it. But if you can have that wit, if you can be comfortable, if you can be current on the events of what is going on in the industry, what's going on in the nation currently, um, then then you're um, a, a much more relatable individual. I, I'm going to Northern Cal. I see that the Warriors have recently won the NBA Finals. Right. Do you think I'm going to work that into my presentation? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Because this is their team, and they've recently won the NBA Finals, so this is important to them. And I, and I change up my presentation depending on the audience. So if I'm in a different place, I will find something that's uh, important or relevant to them. So my presentation is changing all of the time depending on where I'm at, and my audience. That is really excellent. Real serious nuggets in there. And I want to definitely have you back, especially as an educator, as a speaker, 
there's probably few have the ability to speak to this as well as you do. So especially speaking 200 times. So I want to go there. But I also want in this interview to take a few moments to get your perspective on what you where you see the industry going. You and I, we're both active. We're out there. We're having the privilege of talking to so many people. And that gives us a real advantage and a real perspective. And I'd like to share that perspective, at least you're, from your visual standpoint, of what you're seeing in the marketplace, the shifts that are taking, if there are any. Talk about that. Where's the industry heading? Well, after we were in Memphis, we were also in Ohio. That's right. Ohio we MBA. Were, yes. And it's very interesting. And since then, you know, I was in Vegas for Mastermind. And as I told you, I'm going to be to California. I, I've been everywhere so far this year, and this year's only half over. But I'm finding some some interesting changes going on in the industry. Those loan officers that really just concentrated on refinances are suffering. They're wondering what they're going to do now. It also depends on appreciation in the states. For, for example, if we go to the sand states, the, the states along you know the, the water's edge, whether it be Atlantic or Pacific, I'm seeing that because of high price appreciations, Housing is becoming a little less affordable, and everybody knows there is a shortage of new construction as well as there's a little bit of an uh, of an appraiser squeeze going on yeah, as well. Yeah. Where in Middle America, that isn't quite the case. It's boring and dry in Middle America, which is to their benefit because, you know, a slow, steady 4.2, 4.7, 5-percent appreciation annually has resulted in a consistent process, meaning manufacturing of loans has been consistent and is, is continually every month getting better and better and better. So it really depends on, you know, where you are in America as to what's happening with your individual pipeline right now. Now, we saw on the House here recently passing the Financial Choice Act. Yes. And so I get asked, well, Dave, with Humda changing on, on 1-1-2018, and, you know, President Trump trying to kill the CFPB and get rid of Director Cordray. Honestly, truthfully, I don't really see that happening. We see Director Cordray wanting to run for governor of the great state of Ohio. Okay, right. I don't think he wants to begin the process of running for governor, having just been fired as director of the CFPB. <laughs> yeah, good point. So his tenure is going to be up July 2018. You have the Financial Choice Act, which by law will change some things of the CFPB. But honestly, truthfully, as it works its way through the Senate, it's it's going to change. And because it's going to change, we really don't know what it's going to look like when it comes out of the change. So the Humda changes going into effect, uh, 1-1-2018, those are real. The new 1003 coming out, that's real. On July 1, the changes to credit reports. That's real. I mean, you have many Americans uh, whose credit scores are going to go up on July 1 because of changes uh, going on on the credit report where items of public information, public records like judgments and things won't show up. And then with Fannie updating the 10.1 on the weekend of July 29th, oh, my goodness, with DTIs going up to 50 percent, and they are no longer looking at disputed credit items, oh, I know. it is a fabulous, exciting time to be in the mortgage industry. It is so cool. Um, can you tell my excitement? It yes. is going to be so a blast. Talk about that. Explain why you're so excited. I get it, but for those that may not or that are wanting to process a little more, share your insights as to why you're so excited. How do, what does this mean? I am surrounded by millennials. Millennials are one-third of all the people that are purchasing in the market today. So if loan officers have not shifted from refi to purchase, they're missing out. So how do these young people, and I've heard this thing about student debt. People, those uh, students that got out of college in the 80s and the 90s had more student debt than the people graduating from college now. So that's 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 that may be an excuse, but it's a lame excuse. That's it's a, a weak yeah, excuse. Good. And so, you know, these people that are coming out of college have greater earning power. Okay, maybe they were on mom and dad's couch or mom and dad's basement as going through school, but right now with unemployment being so low, 
these people are going out finding jobs. They want to move out, uh, you know, from underneath mom and dad's roof, and they are actively buying. Okay, so what does that mean with these changes? Well, Dr. Carson, you know, Secretary Carson of HUD last Friday, a week ago Friday, was talking about the um, changes going on with condo approvals, how FHA recently dropped from 50% to 35%. And so sometimes condos are the first things these young people can afford. But then you couple that with higher credit scores happening on July 1, and then you couple that with DU 10.1 updating to a 50% back-end DTI, you're poised. If you're not ready, get ready, because the loan volume that's going to happen in the future will be greater than anything you've seen in the past. And I'm including all of those loans that were happening when we had wow. Sisses and Ninas and Ninjas. The future looks amazing. I agree. If you're ready, if you're poised, and if you're positioned to grab that business. I agree, and it's so good to hear you talking about that. can't believe how fast the time goes when you and I are together visiting on this topic. Last question is, who is better poised take, to take advantage in the marketplace? What type of company or you – know, if you were to, when you go to these conferences, you watch the different ones that come up and talk to both you and I afterwards. And you, I know you have the same sense as I do. Boy, these, this guy's going to have a real struggle making it. There's other companies you go like, wow, th I want to track this company. What, how would you describe the successful company of the future? What does it look like? And is it that much different than what has been successful? I, w I wouldn't say that it's that much different. I mean, it's going to be kind of a combination of high-tech, high-touch, yeah. meaning you have a lot of and, – and, and if I say something that's, you know, considered foul language to some of your listeners, I'm just going to be super candid and straightforward. Love it. Why is, you know, Rocket Mortgage so successful? Why is Guaranteed Rate so successful? They're streamlining the process. Well, doom and gloom. Does that mean that's the end of loan originators? Absolutely not. Not everybody fits in their, you know, square pegs and round holes. I mean, not everybody does that. I'm talking to super successful people that, yes, have automated their system, high tech, but I'm also talking to those people that have the one-on-one -on -one relationships with the realtors where it is personal it is a friend. It has been built up over time where they can count on each other. So will it be the high-touch people? Yes. Will it be the high-tech people? Yes. Yes. Could it be both high-tech, high-touch? Yes. Are you out there looking for – are you providing something of value that your uh, referral partners, your borrowers, are, are you doing something different? Are you doing the same thing that you did 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago? Because the industry is changing, and if you do not continue to change, evolve, grow, become something better than you were even last year, you will be left behind. It's really true. How can people get a hold of you? It sounds like that there may not be that many opportunities for you to get you into a speaking schedule, but for those that do want to connect to you and possibly ask you to come and speak, and you know, whatever your speaking fees are, I hope you double them because you should get paid amazing <laughs> while you're, you're that good when you're on stage. So how can people get a hold of you? Well, uh, we're at mortgageeducators.com. My personal email is david at mortgageeducators.com, and I really do respond to my emails. People may want to text me. I leave my cell phone number kind of private, but our phone number is 877-403-1428. So toll-free 877-403-1428. If you call me, if you email me, I will respond. Now, it may not be that exact same hour. It may not be that same day, but I, I respond to everybody. because And I don't charge. I mean, if you're going to ask me a question, let me help you. I used to be the regulator in our state. That's um, right. My, I had forgotten uh, my, that. <laughs> yeah, the governor, I don't know what the governor was thinking, but the governor appointed me to be a commissioner. And so um, I, I really do understand this industry from a compliance and a technical standpoint. I'm an underwriter. I've been doing this for 37 years now. My partner is a compliance attorney. 
we'd love to help you. Yes, some of these things are free, but if you, you know, kind of abuse the freeness, then we may have to start charging you. Uh, we would love to help those that want to be helped. Well, I can't think of anyone better to talk to, get to know. I'm blessed and honored to have you as a friend, and uh, we get to speak at so many conferences together, but I look forward to having more time. We need to have you back on the radio program. We have scratched the surface of so many great topics, so let's get you back and get you scheduled soon again, friend. Thank you. It'd be an honor. It'd be an honor. Thank you, Dave. Have a great, great week. It's awesome to have you here. Folks, we've had Dave Luna here with us for the past half hour, and what a blessing it was to listen. If you want to get a hold of Dave, rewind this, get his contact information, get a hold of him. You will not be disappointed. And if he's speaking at any event out there that you can get to, get there. You will not be disappointed. All right, folks, that was the interview with our good friend, David Luna. Next week, we've got Jack Nunnery. He's going to be on. Very interesting topic about how to look at risk in a different way. So we have the KPI. Now we're going to call, we're going to go to the new indicator, and uh, we'll be talking about it. So well, how can you measure risk? It's good to have you with us, everybody. Look forward to having you back next week. You've been listening to Lickin on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.